Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, Pastor Camel. May the Lord bless you tonight. Appreciate your attendance. Thank you for helping us in San Luis. That's one of the great crusades that we're privileged to be a part of many, many, many people saved and many people healed in that. Thank God. First Corinthians chapter one, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. When I start a crusade, I start by saying, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I do that for a reason. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the Bible says. The righteous run into it and are saved. In the book of Philippians, uh, the Bible says that God has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ, and he has placed that name above every name that is named, both in heaven above and in the earth beneath, and has ordained that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's say Jesus tonight. Say it again. All right, I'm going to mention that over and over again tonight. I asked the uh, two men that came down with me, I said, what's the mission of the church? And uh, they said, make discipleship and evangelize and so on. I said, yeah, that's involved. But the mission of the church is to manifest God's presence. Those things take place uh, in that. Augustine, uh, 
of Hippo made a statement, uh, legend says, and this statement is, uh, by all means, preach the gospel. Use words uh, if necessary. Now, I had Greg Google that for me, and he says that's not true. Augustine didn't say that. So I'm careful to qualify that because when you preach today, it doesn't matter what you say, somebody's back there Googling, you know, that's it. and they'll, t- they'll catch you as you get through. Say, that's not true. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, he uh, made that statement, and that statement is erroneous. The difficulty is that many people try to do the work of God and shortcuts are taken and uh, they try to go in a different way. And uh, today, uh, we have to make very sure that we're focusing. I had somebody say, uh, thank, uh, thank God, Pastor Mitchell, you've kept the main thing, the main thing. So tonight, if you're looking for some fantastic revelation from heaven, forget it. This is the main thing again. So as we ponder that and we uh, take this, the core principle of evangelism is communication of the gospel. And having said that, uh, we uh, need to understand that there's diversions all the time trying to divert the church away from that into other activities, other uh, religious activities. And it's quite common to uh, uh, people today to be involved in religious activity and think that they're doing the work of God. But we want to focus uh, tonight on what God uh, is uh, placing before us because we want to demonstrate God's presence. When uh, Jesus uh, healed uh, Bartimaeus in uh, Mark chapter 10, Uh, this was a manifestation of God's presence. When the demoniac was healed in uh, Luke 8, this was God's manifestation of his presence. When the sinful woman had her sins forgiven, Luke 7, this was a manifestation of God's presence. So I want to preach tonight on God's manifest presence, if I could, because biblically... To communicate God's presence means that uh, you must uh, minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, that name, which is above every name that is named, is very, very important that we don't lose that. The tools of our trade are words. We're preachers. Or if you're a witness for Jesus, or if you're a teacher, the tools of your trade are the words that you speak. Words today are being twisted. Uh, Bill Clinton, after uh, his uh, run of fornication, said, it just depends on what is means. Well, is means is. You say amen? Amen. Words mean something. So let's listen to the Bible tonight. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it uh, pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. 
But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Gentiles, foolishness. But unto them who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the knowledge of God, uh, wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the wisdom of God is stronger than men. So let's ponder this uh, subject, God's uh, manifest presence, as we move through this tonight. There are various uh, uh, diversions today. I uh, read in the paper, I think it was yesterday, uh, that they had an article that in the European courts they've made a decision. And that decision is uh, that women cannot wear a burqa scarf uh, and Christians cannot wear a cross. So this is very interesting because both of those practices are people trying to convey a message by symbol, and that's very common today. I think it was a couple of months ago at Charisma Magazine. I take Charisma Magazine to see what not to do. And so <laughs> Charisma Magazine had an article on music evangelism. So uh, this chick uh, is a violinist, and so she comes uh, in an altar call, and she's playing the violin, and miracles take place, and people get delivered and healed. And I don't doubt that may uh, take place, but that's not biblical to preach the gospel. Can you say amen? If you can't say amen, say oh me. Before I get through, you'll feel worse than that. This is common to divert the church from the central truth uh, that is here in this text, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's means of communication, the gospel. So let's ponder that for a moment because all kinds of diversions, uh, uh, if you were to go to Russia today, I remember one, some years ago we wanted to go to Red Square. On Red Square there are the Onion Dome uh, churches, five of them all different shapes. Uh, underneath all of those domes, uh, there's an altar. And the theology behind that is that these domes are going to bring God's presence down upon that altar. And that's absolute garbage. Can you say amen? And if you ever heard of the Cathedral of Notre Dame, it's constructed in a certain way. They have the flying buttresses that are a part of that. And the theology behind that is that this will bring God's presence into that place and enhance not just a building. And this is called arcane theology or mystical theology. So let's look at this for a moment because this is commonly practiced in many, many articles in many, many places around the world. What triggered me on this is a new book. And that new book is Faithful Presence. So let's think about that because presence means something. Faithful presence. If you would read the book, you find that here's another practice still again of diversion. This is lifestyle evangelism in a new dress. So think about that for a moment because evangelism is propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ which is to bring God's presence to pass in salvation, deliverance, and healing. That's biblical. And so it's very interesting. There's much, much excuses made for not witnessing and evangelizing. I think it's, it's Bill Hybels. He's got a new book, Contagious Christianity. Knowing Bill Hybels, well, it's more of the same garbage. And it's just a new dress to evade 
witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, all of you know about digital evangelism. That means you don't have to witness to anybody. You can get on your Googler and you can uh, put these messages out. You don't have to face anybody face to face, but just put a message on your cell phone or on your computer and it's going to do all the work for you. Who was it? The, uh, the nut down in Florida that was the latest uh, whiz bang. And uh, he said, we don't have to preach the gospel anymore. Angels are going to do that for it. The moment you hear that, run for your life. Can you say Amen. Because we're talking about God's presence made manifest. Biblically, uh, that's made manifest as we witness the name uh, of Jesus Christ. I have got an article on prayer walking. This nut uh, had a whole article and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's walking in, in uh, areas of the city. And uh, he got a few people to join with him. And they're walking. It's called prayer walking. Not, not prayer talking, prayer walking. And the article was, uh, my legs uh, are doing uh, the praying. No, they're not. Legs don't pray. Leaf, lips pray. Is that too plain tonight? See, I, I, I may be old, but I'm not stupid. In the early days of our fellowship, uh, we had books that were very popular. They still, uh, still, still have them. One of these was The Master Plan of Evangelism. This is by Robert Coleman. It's a very, very good book on discipleship and upon evangelism. I read that book probably the first time in 1967. I was pastoring in Emmett, Idaho. I read the book. I said, that's, that's really good. Yeah, but I wasn't doing it. There's a difference between talking about it and doing it. Can you say Amen. And so it was uh, in 1970 when we began to have the Jesus movement and we began to work with disciples uh, uh, that, uh, that really we began to work with that. Uh, and uh, so I had Richard Ruby call me, I think, day before yesterday. And he's asking me, when did we start uh, calling what we're doing disciple? I said, well, I'm not sure, but it wasn't in the beginning. We just want to get people saved. As we got people saved, we wanted to make greater impact. And uh, so we began to work with people and uh, we began to call that uh, discipleship. Uh, and we're actually, it was an involvement uh, in evangelism. And it, uh, the consequences of that, I said to him, was uh, discipleship. So our fellowship evolved. We didn't get a, 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 a plan or a video come from heaven. or We just started wondering, trying to get people saved. And this evolved into all the things that we do by experience and revelation from God. And so here we're talking about now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and evangelizing and making disciples. I understand that Pastor Campbell preached very well last night on making disciples. So let's think for a moment about the history of our fellowship. It's going to help us understand. Larry Reed was a uh, heroin addict. He did time in San Quentin. The first time I saw Larry Reed, I took uh, two men over to California. We'd heard about what's going on over there. We went down on the beach. It was uh, near La Habra. And Larry was baptizing with this, a few people down there and preaching. And so uh, this was uh, uh, hardly ever seen uh, at all in churches. I remember uh, when uh, I was first saved, we used to preach the gospel in a band shell in Glendale, Arizona. And uh, is, uh, we were there preaching that. 
people used to come. They wouldn't come up near where we were. Didn't want to them. But you'd see the the the, the park beginning to fill down below. They wanted to hear what we had to say, just not identify with us. <laughs> that hasn't changed a bit today. So we preached on the streets. We preached in the mission, the Skid Row missions. So uh, this was quite unique at that period of time. And so uh, we went to uh, see uh, Larry that was there. We invited him to come over and preach. He came over and brought some uh, uh, disciples with him. And uh, we gathered together a, a group from Prescott. We marched around the courthouse plaza, plaza, clapping our hands and saying there's power in the blood. And uh, that was, I mean, they thought we'd landed from outer space. Because... <laughs> so uh, Larry came over a little later. He had a bus. He'd load up a bunch and take them somewhere. Uh, he took a load up to the uh, high school. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, them preaching up at the high school out by the bus stop. Uh, three of our people got arrested. Uh, I think it uh, uh, can't remember who it was, but Bob Swope was one of the. I think Jeff Brown was another one, and they were arrested. And so uh, we're making an impact uh, because we're uh, notoriety is coming our way. And then uh, a little bit later, uh, they uh, we they begin to sp spread out in concerts. Uh, and uh, street drama, uh, one of the great uh, dramas that we did. I told one of the disciples about that this uh, week and said, we need to try that again. I said, yeah, the coffin's still around somewhere. It's stored away. We got tons of uh, drama props stored away. We're renting, uh, we're running, cub we're renting cubicles, uh, paying rent with junk that is stored in from the drama group. <laughs> and so uh, we, they took the coffin, uh, went down on Whiskey Row, and uh, six pallbearers, you know, whiskey row. You know why they call it whiskey row? Because there's whiskey everywhere. It's bar, 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 bar. Always a great crowd. On the weekend, uh, people come up from, from uh, Phoenix to get drunk. And so it's just, it's a great scene. So they took this uh, coffin and they're dragging this coffin down the street. And they got about halfway there. And the guy that's in the coffin raises up and begins to preach. So it's a great scene. <laughs> One of the great... One of the great dramas is uh, Louis uh, Polino and Mike Solano and, and Bruce Cutter at uh, 4th of July. 4th of July is a great scene in Prescott. If you've never been to Prescott on the 4th of July, plan to come. Saturday, uh, probably the 2nd of July, I'm not sure, we now do a, uh, we do a uh, God and Country presentation there. And so, uh, but uh, uh, Louis Polino, Mike Solano, and Bruce Cutter they uh, dressed up in their cowboy gear and put their hats on and boots, you know, play cowboy because that's what they do 4th of July. And so they did a street drama. They got this guy, tied him up, drug him across the street. They're going to hang him. They throw the rope over and it'll get the crowd. And so they want to see this hanging. And so when he comes up to the crisis point, then they start preaching the gospel. So this is, all of these things uh, are, are triggered by outside evangelism. And this is, uh, this is a solid biblical doctrine. The book, Breaking the Stained Glass Barriers, uh, was written because the uh, author was trying to get the church outside the four walls, out onto the streets. Can you say amen? amen? And I want to say to you that I don't see any church growing that is not doing something outside the four walls uh, to get the gospel out. Uh, and the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, crucified for sins. Uh, can you say amen? Raised from the dead. Uh, and that's the gospel. So uh, uh, 
the, the issue that we need to home in on is that uh, this is history, and John Wesley has a legend. He was a preacher, and uh, the history tells us that he went to the church that his father uh, tended, and he tended in history, wanted to preach. They would not let him preach, so he went outside on his father's grave in his beginning ministry and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ on his father's grave. That's John Wesley. About that time in that history, George Whitfield, John Wesley, Charles Finney, uh, op- preach in the open fields. Romans says in Romans 10 and verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now remember what I said, that the mission of the church is to make God's presence manifest. That's not done in many of the things that people are doing today, claiming to do this. We had three young people. We hit the big time when we had three young people, went to the Yavapai County Fair, jumped up on a table, began to preach the gospel, and uh, were arrested. This made front page. If you want to get on a map, make the front page on the newspapers. Uh, I think this was Janet Foley, Ron Jones, and a guy named... Uh, Norm Kennedy that didn't make in the process of time. But uh, this was front page. I mean, they are upset. And uh, we threatened the county attorney to call the American Citizen Liberties Union. So he turned them all loose without any uh, penalty. And so um, uh, I don't know if we'd actually done that, but we threatened them anyway. Sometimes the threat's as good as, as the case. So this is evangelism. Evangelism is uh, to take place, making God's presence manifest. uh, And you cannot do that uh, without using the name of Jesus Christ. I was talking with the men as I was writing down there. I said, many times uh, preachers who preach in our concert scene, they think that this slick, funny joke that they have uh, or some uh, interesting story is presenting the gospel. The Holy Spirit only anoints the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's very plain. Can you say amen? amen. I just hair-lipped a couple of people here, but that's true. You can get examine it any way you want to. The gospel is what God anoints, not your funny jokes, not your personality, not your slick stories, not your illustration that's three pages long that's too long anyway. The gospel of Jesus Christ, which makes God's presence manifest. So let's think for a moment about the essential elements that are here because the spoken word is what I'm talking about tonight. The gospel literally means good news, the gospel. And so Acts chapter 4, 29 and 30 says, and now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. So think about this for a moment, because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. I said there's power. We sing this chorus, there's power in the name of Jesus. Breaks every chain, breaks every chain, breaks every chain. That's not just idle speaking, there's power 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is why when I start to preach a crusade, I say Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We're going to see miracles tonight, not because of my personality, but because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And God has promised if we're going to proclaim that, he will be present and he'll confirm that with visible miracles. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank God for that. Oh, I feel the God's presence right here in this building tonight. On the day of Pentecost, uh, this was made manifest. Uh, they saw tongues of fire. This was a phenomenal manifestation as they were speaking with tongues. They heard them speaking with tongues. But when it came time to do business, Peter stood up uh, and explained uh, what this was all about uh, as he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, So here's the book of Acts 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with his eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judas and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. So this is constantly spotlighted now in the Bible. Uh, preaching is to make the gospel known. When you make the gospel known, God's presence comes on the scene. And you're already feeling God's presence in this building tonight because of the words that I've spoken. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jew a stumbling block and unto the Gentile foolishness. Now this is a major issue and what I'm spotlighting tonight is words. I said words are the tools of our trade. I had at breakfast this morning a young man asked me, what do you mean tools of our trade? I mean that we are trying to communicate, and as you're trying to communicate, words are how you communicate. And to use words that communicate, they have to be words that are understood and words that are spoken. That's why they are tools of our trade. Acts chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now pay attention to that for a moment, because that's important. Titus 1 verse 13, but has in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. An angel even admonished them This in Acts chapter 5, verse 20. Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And this is why we're gathered here tonight. Can you say amen? Amen. Even the songs have brought that forth. We're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not gathered in my name. We're not gathered in Joe Camel's name, your name. We're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. God says by his word, where that name is honored and glorified, 
there God's presence will be uh, in the midst of them. So let's ponder this for a moment as we bring this to a close. Psalms chapter 22 and verse 3 says, Lord, the Lord inhabits uh, the praises of his people. So that's what our issue is. The church's task, uh, the church's mission is to manifest uh, God's presence. That's done by deliverance. That's done by people getting saved. That's done by people uh, getting healed. All of those demand uh, that the words be spoken uh, and the name of Jesus Christ uh, be invoked. See, in our generation, uh, uh, the name of Jesus Christ is uh, very, very rare except in curse words. I was in Mexico City when God worked a great miracle. He elected Donald Trump to President of the United States of America. If that makes you mad, relax. You're stuck with it. It is a fact of life. When I was there, I was watching the inauguration. As I was watching the inauguration in the news, uh, I was very, very interested because it comes prayer time. Had a Jew pray. How Jews pray. Had a charismatic pray. How charismatics pray. And then Franklin Graham prayed. And when he prayed, he said, I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you in Mexico City, God's presence came into that room. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. I was thinking of choruses that uh, will begin to fit in with this uh, sermon and uh, it was John Perry. I was uh, sharing with John Perry, a missionary in Fiji. And he says, interesting, after that happened, and I, they saw that all over the world. After that happened, he said, I saw in unexpected places, in unexpected uh, venues, uh, the name of Jesus Christ being spoken openly because it emboldened people uh, that if they can put that on the stage in, Pres in, in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, uh, then uh, we can do it here and it emboldened people and John Perry uh, put that on. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Can you say amen? Let's say the name of Jesus tonight. Say it out loud. Jesus. Say it again. Say it again. These choruses uh, that come to my memory as, as I was there because God's manifest presence uh, and all you song leaders need to take that to heart. It would be very interesting uh, if you would use the name of Jesus in some of your choruses. Uh, I was pondering this as I was doing this. Uh, I'd uh, gone on these crusades uh, in Holland and uh, so I began to get people to testify and I began to be very disturbed because they'd get up and tell what God has done for And so I begin to say, what God are you talking about? You're talking about uh, Mohammed? You're talking about uh, Baal? Are you talking about the penis God from Greece? Who are you talking about? And so I said to every one of them, <laughs> I said to every one of them, tell us what Jesus has done for you. Because he does have a name, you know. He does have a name. I went to our, uh, our 50th uh, anniversary 
uh, uh, dinner at uh, Prescott High School uh, a few years ago. I'm talking past now. And so uh, uh, this Mormon, I'm assuming he's a Mormon, he gets up and he gives this long, ritual, uh, churchy sound. And I'm sitting at a table with nine other graduates who graduated in 1948. I am that old. And I'm still alive. Amen. Amen. And this long, drawn-out thing, and then he ended, he said, and uh, we pray this uh, in the name of your son. And I said, his name is Jesus. <laughs> is that too radical? So let's ponder this for a moment. Uh, uh, these courses uh, are powerful. And uh, one course that I remember from the old song, but remember when we used to use hymnals in the church? You may remember that. Is anybody as old as I am? The reason we can't sing anymore is because nobody knows it. So uh, in an old hymnal, uh, Jesus, oh, how sweet the name. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim its worthy praise forever. Hallelujah. Can you say amen tonight? Thanks be unto God. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels uh, prostrate fall. This is a wonderful, wonderful chorus, uh, and God is giving glory and blessing. I want you to bow your head for a moment. And as we bow our heads tonight, uh, the Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.